case you don't know, uh, my name is Jason, and I am one of the pastors here at Covenant Church. For all you newbies out there, uh, which is no one, I believe, and so, um, which is great. Um, we are in the middle of Sabbath season, uh, and if you are, well, you're not new here, but I'll talk about it anyways. Um, this is, uh, we've been doing this for about five years now as a church, taking the month of July and just kind of pausing for normal, from just normal rhythms of our church, and um, just pausing. Our gatherings are more laid back, as you see tonight. We gather uh, in back rooms like this. Uh, it's smaller. Kids are in here. Kids, I'm so glad you're in here. As you're kind of loud and crazy tonight, uh, that is okay. But hear this. Uh, the creator of the universe wants to speak to you tonight. I know your parents tell you lots of things, and you should honor and obey those things. But the creator of the universe has you here tonight, kids, and he wants to talk to you. And that's just really good news for you. It's good news for me. Um, I've been planning on preaching for a few weeks now and um, been really excited about it and kind of had a clear direction um, of what God put on my heart. And that's kind of stayed true too. It's not one of those things like, oh, I rewrote it last night. No, it's been that way for a few weeks. Um, and uh, I was struck as I was kind of preparing for this and even talking with a lot of you in this room too, of does life sometimes just feel... Um, just like so fragile, not like life and death, that, that's true as well, but just like the ups and downs of everyday life. Here's what I mean. There are times in my week, and even this week I guess you could say, where one hour I get a phone call and it's just great news and you just feel like life is so good, right? And you, an hour later a different phone call comes and you're like, oh man, this is really heavy. And then you kind of live your life and you try to get through work and it's a long week of work and you get home to like be home, relax, all those kind of things. And then there's just not peace there. Even this morning, we, you know, it was Sabbath month, so no service this morning, kind of slept in. I went and got donuts. It was this beautiful thing, right? And about nine o'clock, you know, me and Tracy, our kids are just out of their minds, um, being disrespectful, being loud just being all these things. And this is like this, you know, three times a year that we do this, right? That like, it's been this peaceful time and it's the complete opposite of peace. And here's what I'm trying to say. My life always feels this way. To where there's this sense of, um, when I am trying to rest in different things, there is no rest. There's just absolutely no rest, friends. Hear that this morning. Well, not this morning, this afternoon, evening. I'm so programmed for Sunday morning church. I'm a good Baptist. And, um, and so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 4 verse 7, if you want to go and turn your Bibles there. And uh, I'm just going to read it to us real quick. From the Apostle Paul. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, 
until we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Hear that. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So real quick, just some feedback. Paul is talking to this, this church in Corinth, and um, they are starting kind of to doubt his credentials and his ministry and the way he does things. So he is kind of giving them kind of this up-close look at like the good parts of his ministry and the really, really tough parts, the blessings and the persecutions. And for us tonight, we have a lot of things, even though it's a very different time period we live in now, that we can glean from the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 7. Starts right off. But we have this treasure. We have this treasure. So the question you have to ask is, what is this treasure? Like, what is this treasure that Paul is saying that we have? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this right here. He just said this. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is our treasure. And I, I think we've been at church enough, we hear these things, we sing, the, we sing these things, and we're just kind of like turned off, like we just, we've heard it so much. But friends, hear this. The creator, God of the universe, he made a way so that we can know God, we can be with God, we can hear from God, we can see God, God can indwell inside of us, we can be one in Christ as the family of God. This is the great treasure. And we, we just lose sight of that. We lose sight of it so quickly. And we sing songs like, Lord, revive us again for thine glory, right? Well, tonight, friends, I truly believe this, that we need to be revived again by this true treasure. Matthew, Matthew 13 says this right here. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. He sells all that he has because this treasure is so precious. Uh, hear this. The fact that we can know who God is, we have this light of God inside of us, is the greatest treasure that we can find. I've been praying all week for my heart to grasp that and pray that your heart tonight could grasp that. Listen, this is the greatest news. It's life-giving. It's life-sustaining. It gives purpose to life. But here is the really interesting and strange part about even 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Let's keep reading. So we have this treasure, right? This treasure of the knowledge, of the light, of the glory of God found in Jesus. The greatest news in the history of this world. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. Not the 90s Christian band, but in jars of clay. 
Oh, that's all I've been all week long. We're going to sing Flood later. And, and a bunch of 90s people in here right now. Um, but uh, here's what's crazy is that this priceless gospel is stored in really, really simple things. Like, I, you know, it's like me having like all these diamonds and like putting them in like just this flimsy thing that could be kind of broken and thrown out and it's no big deal, right? That is, I'm going to take this off because this is bothering me. Hello, hello. Um, so the question is, why is this priceless, greatest news in the history of the world, why is it stored and then supposedly passed along in these jars of clay? Why did God decide to use us to place this treasure? Why did God decide to use us to pass on this treasure? Let's keep reading. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Friends, this is a radical picture of just humility for us. And this really stings at our hearts nowadays, right? Listen, we live in the most self-promoting time in the history of the world. There has been no other time in the history of the world where I knew what you thought on, like, restaurants. But now I know your thoughts on restaurants, and I don't really care. But here's the deal. We feel like we live in this world where everything we think, feel, should be promoted and heard and validated. And we have this issue that we don't see ourselves as jars of clay, right? We see ourselves as something much more important. And then we hear this truth from the Apostle Paul written thousands of years ago about his own ministry and how he felt about himself. And he sees this great treasure, but God placed it in fragile, weak people like ourselves. This leads to our first point. We have twisted what is the treasure and what is the jars of clay. Listen, we have a treasure, this gospel, that we treat as an afterthought, right? The good news sometimes is so foreign to us and not real to us. We don't see it. We don't taste it. We don't feel it at all. It's just foreign. We come in, we check in, we glance, and we move away. We treat the treasure as an afterthought. And we give our entire life to these silly, weak, fragile, dying jars of clay. We spend all of our time dressing up these jars of clay, right? Getting nice houses for these jars of clay. Getting all this security for these jars of clay. Putting our jars of clay in gated neighborhoods to protect us from other jars of clay, right? Because that's what's really the treasure, We see that in Matthew 13 that he sold it all, right? He sold it all and buried that treasure. We've sold it all for the wrong treasure sometimes. And we're sitting here tonight and we wonder why our lives are just so fragile. And it's because we have twisted this entire thing. We have made the jars of clay the treasure. Look at verse 8 and verse 9 here. It says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And I read these passages this week, and um, 
every single one in different ways just really kind of spoke to me this week, right? That, and here's where I'm just really concerned, that we cannot claim this promise. Because he says the words we in verse 8, right? We are afflicted in every way. But we feel crushed. Most days of the week, when something goes off plan, we feel afflicted, but also just crushed. We are driven to despair. And we're just trying to catch our breath. And it's because we have twisted this idea of what is truly the treasure and what is truly the jars of clay. So uh, most of y'all know my daughter, Hattie. Uh, She's back there. She's three years old. And um, I just had this kind of picture this week as we think about even like this idea of treasure and life and what we give our lives to. And Hattie uh, was in therapy in OT. And I remember sitting there with with the therapist and they had these puzzles, right? And they're trying to teach her how to put the puzzle in the the piece inside the puzzle, right? And And I'd watch her. And uh, she couldn't quite figure it out, right? And she was trying to push that puzzle in the wrong way, and she was getting so mad, right? Ah, ah, that's what she's doing, right? You know, just screaming at that puzzle, which I get. It's frustrating. I was watching it in front. I was like, yeah, just do it this way. And it just hit me this week that many times I really feel this way, that we think of, like, our life, right, and this idea of treasure. There's this big piece right here. That if we just take, and, you know, if we just finish school, that piece will fit, well, no, that didn't work. That didn't fit either. Okay. Well, when I get married, right, I will have somebody who loves me and puts up with me, right? Then it'll fit. Well, no, they're bad too. They're a sinner too. You know what we need? We need a really good job. If I have a good job, I'll have money, I'll have security. People think I'm okay, I have a job. You get that good job, get that pay raise. Well, that piece doesn't fit either. And you're twisting and you're getting more frustrated. Oh, you know what we need? This piece right here, it makes us whole. And every movie in the world tells us this. If we just have kids, right? Those kids will bring just this river of joy and all these things. And we get that puzzle piece and we have kids. And, well, that doesn't fit either. You know what we need? We need more money. Because when they're college funds, we'll be happy. They'll have to go to college. All right, get more money. And that piece still doesn't fit. Well, I'm going to retire one day and that piece will fit. And, and friends, I want to tell you this. We're going to twist around and twist around and twist around. That piece will never fit. It'll just never fit. And we're going to wear ourselves out trying to make it fit. And all of us are here tonight, and we're just trying to figure this thing out. And we see it right here in God's word. We've tasted it before. But we're so, um, we have so just kind of moved past the things of God or moved away the things of God that we're just like, okay, what is going on here? And I believe Paul has good news for us tonight. This is the paradox of letting go of your life, of losing your life, but then also finding your life. Look at verse um, 10 here. Always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. There's this idea you see all throughout Jesus' ministry of if you lose your life, you will actually gain your life. So to make the metaphor fit, to, to have the puzzle, the puzzle piece fit, we let go of the puzzle altogether. And we give it up and we say, my life is not my own. That there is this great treasure that I'm throwing out everything else. 
my, 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 um, my selfishness, my control, my finances, my time. I'm letting go of all those things so that I can have this great treasure. Because we are humble jars of clay with this great treasure, it should change the way that we even do ministry, the way that we love others. Listen, back in this kind of self-promoting world, we have this grand illusion that we have to use like social media to kind of get out our thoughts, our ministry, our sermons, our opinions to see change happen. And those aren't bad things. They're not. But they're not primary things. The history of the way God has used his people is in small, insignificant, but faithful ways. That our lives should not be given to a social media audience. Our lives should be given, honestly, to those in front of us. God has given you a people. God has given you a network. God has given you a little world around you for you to be that little jars of clay just holding up the treasure faithfully, humbly, with no one really seeing you. That is what real, lifelong ministry looks like. And you might be blessed with a great, you know, big ministry, but most of us in here will not be, pastors included that our ministry really is right here. It is not to a podcast or a website, thank goodness. Be really depressed then. Um, But it is to this family right here. And you yourself have a family of people, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends from high school. That is your network God has given you to just be faithful, to be a humble jar of clay holding up this great treasure. That is what Christ-like ministry looks like. But here's, here's also the thing. There's this lie, and it's even in the Christian world, that once we have found this treasure, and we believe and hold on to this treasure, that life at that point should be easy. That if we have this great treasure, there's no ups and downs. It's just not true. Look here at verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Before I move forward, I just want to say this. This week, this phrase right here, um, and the good parts and the bad parts of a week, right, are the parts I just cling to. And tonight I prayed for you that wherever you are tonight in this whole kind of spiritual journey thing, that you would just not lose heart. That the fact that you're here tonight is a grace of God to hear this good news. And my prayer is that you just don't lose heart and you keep pressing and you keep pressing and you keep pressing and you look up years later and you realize you put your hope in this treasure way more than you ever thought you would. So friends tonight, just don't lose heart. Let's keep going. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away. Bad news for it, we're all dying. Just FYI. Kids kids are in here. Um, (laughs) um, uh, Our inner self is being renewed Day by day, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Hear that in verse 17. Our affliction is preparing us for something. Let me say it again. Our affliction is preparing us for something. And friends, I don't know about you, that is such good news for me to hear. Because when the days are long and the days are tough, it is nice to know that God is doing something in the midst of those things. 
He's preparing us for something. He's removing stuff out of the way so that our life has a singular focus. We have a singular love. Look at Romans 5, verse 3. This is Paul once again. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I'm just going to pause there for like five minutes, and let's just kind of think on that right there. And just our culture, the idea of rejoicing in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This is what ministry looks like. In the midst of a world going up and down and going from wave to wave, we should be this picture of this great endurance and this great hope because we have a great treasure. But if our life is all about the different things in our life, we're always going to be just like the rest of the world. And the world's never going to see this great picture of hope through our lives. And I want to tell you even tonight, like, um, and I haven't had like a tragic life by any means, just so we're clear, clear. Like I, I don't have the Apostle Paul's record on suffering or anything, but I have my own like little battles, right? And God is just so faithful. He is so faithful in spite of myself. And he produces this hope in us that we can't produce ourselves. Romans 8.28 says this. You'll probably know this passage. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, life is hard. It's overwhelming. It's exhausting. It's defeating. It's soul crushing. It really is. But hear this. Every small trial you've been through, every small affliction that you really feel in the depths of your soul that nobody else knows about, God is using to help you look more like him, to produce a great singular hope, not a hope in money, not hope in relationships, not hope in approval, an eternal, never going anywhere kind of hope. God is using those things. And the really big things, right? The cancers. The car wrecks, the unexpected just tragedies of life that just crush us, that we have no way to explain. But I know here from God's word, and even from some personal circumstance, that God uses even the big afflictions to do something in our heart, to produce a hope, produce a love, produce a grace that can only happen through afflictions and through suffering. Not to minimize anyone's suffering, but God uses those things to do a great, great work in our lives. But many of us just don't walk through suffering that way, right? We don't rejoice in our suffering. And my prayer tonight, even as we see in this this passage, that we see, in a sense, the eternal things. That we see the prize. As we see the prize, we see these afflictions for what they are. God is preparing and using them. Listen, we should be thankful that we're tired, that we're beat down, that we're frustrated, that we're anxious. Because it's a loving father putting things in our lives or allowing things in our lives to bring us back to him. That our only hope is in him. And that all these things that we cling to and we hope for, we see them as just little foolish things. Listen, we don't grow when everything is easy. We almost always really grow when things get really, really tough and there's affliction and suffering. 
But there's a tension in this passage I'm going to talk about for a second. Paul uses the phrase here in verse 17. For this light momentary affliction. And for anyone in this room that's been through suffering on any level, lost a loved one, had personal struggles, those afflictions do not feel light and momentary. And it's almost offensive to hear that on some level, right? But I want to just give you a picture of who we're talking about, right? Think about this, this idea of light and momentary. There's a tension of life being hard, right? When your AC goes out and you're looking at a huge bill to pay for a new AC or get it fixed or whatever, that doesn't feel light and momentary. When you look at your, your account in your bank and it's just not there, that does not feel light and momentary. When your child is really struggling at school or there's problems at home, it does not feel light and momentary. When you get that bad doctor report, it does not feel light and momentary. But here's the deal. The Apostle Paul is not just like some rich, privileged man with a fake smile saying these things. The Apostle Paul was this man, uh, Acts 9.16 says this. This is how Paul, when he was converted, this is how his ministry started. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Good luck, Paul. I mean, that is how his life and his ministry started. There are not many ordinations where you come there to the pastor and say, okay, guy, this is great, proud of you. You're going to suffer the rest of your life for God's name, right? Nobody would sign up for that. That's how Paul's ministry started. And we see in the book of Acts, all throughout Acts, right, he's beaten, he's cast down, he's persecuted, he's forgotten, he's slandered, all of these things. And I can't imagine how many stories we don't know about in Paul's life that aren't recorded in the Bible of where he was just persecuted, and just beat down by life. So the Apostle Paul is not this just kind of, he knows suffering in ways we don't even know. So we can take his words very, very seriously. So how can Paul say those words? First, Paul was truly changed and converted by the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what I mean. The Apostle Paul, and this is no slam on any kind of ministry, did not go to like just one night at a church and not want to go to hell and raise his hand and then go home. That is not Paul's story. Paul was converted and gave his life to Jesus Christ. End of story. Paul had this true, true conversion, not some smaller thing. It was a supernatural and a spiritual conversion. So we see that in Paul's life. He also suffered greatly all throughout his ministry. Then last thing, he gave his life to kingdom purposes. He gave his life to treasure things and not jars of clay things. Listen, we give our lives, in a sense, to ourselves. Every affliction is an attack on our God, ourselves, right? But when we give our lives to this treasure, what happens to us at that point, it truly is secondary. Because the point of my life, our lives at that point, is the treasure, He didn't live for money. He lived for others to know Christ. You see that even in this passage right here, right? In verse 12, he says, death is at work in us, but life in you. Which is what ministry is, right? If you have kids, if you parented at all, you know that life for your kids, in a sense, is death to you and your agenda. That is what spiritual ministry is. That there is a death in us, but we know 
But this death in us produces real life in us, and it produces real life in others. So we don't do it like, oh, this can be terrible. We know there's true life on the other side of this. Listen, I really feel like this. We are living light and momentary lives. I was talking with Luke this week, um, and uh, we were talking, uh, and so we do ministry here at Covenant Church. There's good days, there's bad days, right? And me and Luke kind of whine to each other a decent amount and about those things. And they're all real things to us, but then Luke went to the Palong Summit last week, which is always bad for a pastor in the West to go to like a missionary thing, because you hear about like what real affliction looks like. And many times in our protected little worlds, these light, momentary things are just so big because we're just caught in this just really small, light, fluffy life. And friends, I want to tell you, God has so much more for you. That you have ministry to do right in front of you right now. But until we truly hold on and pursue this treasure, that ministry will not happen. So here's the question. How do we walk through these afflictions and not be crushed? Because, look, if you're like me, hopefully tonight you're somewhat encouraged. If not, don't tell me you're not. But I hope you are on some level. You leave tonight and you're encouraged. But here's the deal. Tomorrow you're going to wake up, and something's going to happen, whether it's really, really small or really big, and you're going to feel crushed. So how do we, as followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, how do we walk in this journey, right? Look at verse 16. Again, Paul says, do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. There is this, friends, there is this day-by-day nature to our lives and ministry that we cannot get away from, that sometimes we don't like, that we taste the living water, right? And it tastes good, and it refreshes us, and we want to be good forever. But the problem is tomorrow, that God's mercies are good for today, not for tomorrow. Look how John Piper explains. I thought it was really good. The experience of not losing heart fades, and it must be renewed day by day. If you're a veteran Christian, you know this from experience. If you're newer in the faith, this is one of the most important things you need to know. Discovering the secret of not losing heart is not an experience that lasts a lifetime. It's a discovery of a fountain of life, not one drink, so that you never have to drink again. The secret is that you never have to look anywhere else for life and hope and strength and joy. We have this treasure in jars of clay, jars that need refilling, renewing day by day to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God saves us through a thousand battles, a thousand renewals, so that we never, never forget that we are weak and he is our strength. He is our strength, our living water, our food, our gas, our medicine, because we are weak and he is strong. This is how God designed it. The truth and the treasure you saw in Christ today, it has to be renewed tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. It has to be renewed tomorrow or you'll begin to like, just get dehydrated, right? Think about it. It is so hot outside, right? And so we're like drinking water, trying to do all these things. And I really feel this, like if, if we could see ourselves with spiritual eyes in this room, that so many of us are just completely dehydrated. 
And we can't even taste the living water anymore because our tongues and our eyes have been so changed by just being these kind of weak, passive followers of Jesus. Look at verse 18. This is really the how. How are renewed day by day in the midst of all these things. We look not to the things that are seen. Friends, hear this. We look not to the things that are seen. And there is so much distraction around my life, around your life, around our life. We don't look to those things, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are unseen, that are seen, are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. They're eternal. Do not lose heart because we're being renewed by God. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Most of us are not being renewed because the things we look at are just so shallow and have nothing for us. Our entertainment, our jobs, security, relationships, approval from people, all those things that we see, right, that we live for, we cling to, all those things are transient. They're shallow. They're going to fade away. They provide no real help to us. And our eyes have gotten worse and worse and worse, and it's so hard for us to see the things of God. Listen to this quote from Jared Wilson. These things have stunted their their capacity to see some measure of his all-encompassing excellencies. Not because they are generally disinterested in him, but because all of their other interests have dulled their spiritual senses. All the other things they look at dull their vision. They struggle to behold Christ's glory because they have a generally decreased capacity for bigness in the first place. Truly, I think one reason we aren't captivated by God's glory is because we have a diminished capacity to be captivated by anything big. We are preoccupied with small things. We have to learn to shift our eyes, to shift our rhythms, to say no to some things that aren't bad things, but just things that are not providing us life, that aren't pointing us to the treasure, that aren't pointing us to eternal things. We have, or we're always going to live like these twisted schizo lives. Right? And listen, there's going to be ups and downs in your faith. I hope so because I have those kind of things, right? But there should be this one degree of glory to another that should be happening over years of our lives, right? And we have to just change where our eyes are looking at. Like literally and physically get away from a phone and look to like the word of God or to other people or the sun, something else that brings us life. Listen to this. See what you're focused on, it will shape you. It will lead you. The spiritual dynamic that Apostle Paul is employing in 2 Corinthians, how beholding Christ is in a way becoming a likeness of Christ, works for almost anything else. What we behold, we in some way become. G.K. Beadle says this, what people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or restoration. Do you want a heart as big as the sky? Behold the sky. 
When a soul as bright as day, behold the day. So church, friends, what are you looking at? What are you beholding every single day? I believe, and I could be wrong, and if in this room you haven't truly tasted that living water, truly seen Jesus and given your life to Jesus, given your hope to him and crossed that line of faith, well, let's talk about that. That's a great thing. I want to talk to you about that, exactly. But for most of us in this room, we would say we've kind of crossed that point, right? But yet we feel defeated, overwhelmed, and dehydrated in this room, spiritually. So the question I have for you, the challenge I have for all of us in this room, myself included, what are you, Jason, us, what are we beholding? What are we giving our lives to? Here's a few applications. First one, what do we need to stop beholding? Look, right now, as I'm talking, the Holy Spirit is just kind of just in your head, in your heart, saying two or three things or one thing in your heart that you have got to just, you've got to put away. I'm not saying it's terrible or the worst thing in the world, but it's taking your eyes off the prize, right? And you have to cut it out of your life or cut it out of part of your day. You have to stop beholding, giving your life, your attention to this one thing. Write it down. Let us know what it is so we can pray for you together. Second, how do I start beholding as a pattern of my life? And this really includes the word of God, like reading, studying God's word, and talking in God to prayer, which of course sounds like 101. But for many of us, if we were like just me and you in this room, sitting in a chair right here, nice and awkward, right? And we talked about what our life looks like every single day and walking with God. Most of us would have our heads down, I feel like. So how are you going to plan to behold God better? And, and I know some of us in this room have questions on how to study God's word, how to pray to God, where to start. Those are all really good questions. But here's the truth. If you today forgot how to drive, you wouldn't just say, well, I'm done driving. Can't drive anymore at all. No, this is the great treasure. This is what you give your life. There's YouTube videos for everything. We go, how do you do this at your house? You, you learn, you research. This right here, learning and studying and devoting yourself to the, the words of God is the greatest thing that we can give our lives and our time to. So if we don't know how, ask someone. It is our heart as pastors to, to help you, equip you, train you, and point you as best we can. And we are very flawed, make plenty of mistakes, but friends, hear this. If you have troubles in this area of how to study God's word, how to pray to God, raise the flag, throw the flare, write it on your card and say, please help, I want instructions here. And it would be a joy and an honor for us to partner with you in those things, to learn how to walk with God and live and believe in this great treasure. So as we kind of wrap up tonight, I want us to think as, as I was praying for us tonight and what this looks like, and I just really thought about this for a few. But what if in this room, and this is a small part of our church right here, but what if just the, the men, women, and kids in this room like truly begin to see ourselves as who we are, which is really just these flimsy, wasting away jars of clay, but we have this great treasure. We've tasted this great water. And we are going to devote our lives to beholding God. Like this is the key rhythm, habit, practice of my life, of being and walking with God. Imagine what would happen. 
a group of people in here that beholded God, begin to reflect God to their little worlds around them. That as afflictions came to the people in this room, we were not crushed. Yes, we're, we're sad, we cry, we support each other, but we're not crushed. Because our great hope is in the treasure, not these jars of clay. Imagine if the world saw a small group of people living a life that way. That would provoke curiosity and hope in people's lives because of the great hope we have in our lives. And we would see our little worlds around us begin to change. Your neighbors would notice it. Your family would notice it. Your friends, all these people around us would notice something different about you because you are beholding greater things. That's my prayer for us tonight, tomorrow, next week, next year, next 20 years. That is a prayer for us as this little family of believers. Let me pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for your good news. Um, thank you for loving us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for loving me um, in spite of my foolishness, in spite of my lack of faith, in spite of uh, many day-to-day practices that are, that are not even focused on you many times, Father. And Lord, let your just good news and your love for us wash over us tonight. Will you encourage uh, your sons and daughters tonight, Father? Speak to us. Make clear to us even our next step tonight, Father. And let us respond in obedience to you, Father. For others' good, our joy, and for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to sing a song. Give life.